I think fear in, in most of us is born out of ignorance. So unless someone has a direct experience with it themselves or with their child, they're speaking from that, ooh, medicating a child, you know, that's scary and that's bad and that's wrong and big pharmaca and all of this stuff. And there is, of course, some truth to that. There are children out there that have been medicated that may or may not have needed it. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm Jennifer Tracy, your host. Welcome to MILF Podcast, episode 70, you guys. I feel like this is kind of a huge milestone. I'm thrilled about it, and I want to take a moment to thank my amazing team, Sarah Candela, my producer. I could not do this without you. Thank you so much for just holding this ship steady and holding me steady. And I just love you and appreciate you so much. My really amazing, talented, impeccable editor, Derek, I love you. Liz Serna, thank you so much for keeping things running smoothly week by week by week. I just know I can count on you. And my show notes writer, Kevin, you're just impeccable. And this is what it takes, guys. This is, and that's, that's just my core. That's just my podcast team. Then I have Sky, who's just helps me run my life. And then I have my East Coast team, Corinne and Sarah W., who also help me out. So yeah, I don't do this by myself. <laughs> I definitely don't do this by myself. And I don't want to do it by myself. Um, so there's that. Uh, and I've just been so busy doing this writer's symposium. I don't, I haven't really talked about it on here, but I will now. So November 1st, I'm launching this writer's symposium that I've been filming for the past uh, couple of weeks. I've been interviewing one by one, these amazing women writers, very successful women writers, published and or produced women writers, and talking to them about their process, talking to them about how they started talking to them about how they work through the the psychology that stops us a lot, how they got published, how they got, you know, all the things. And it's been fascinating. And I can't even, I'm so excited. I just had another interview this morning with two solo show artists that came to the house and I recorded that interview. And it's just, the insight is just so profoundly helpful you know, to me as a writer, but I'm really hoping for you guys. Um, and I know not all of my listenership are writers, but I think a lot of you are. And um, so anyway, if you want to sign up for that, go to my uh, writing website, which is jennifertracy.com. Um, and that's where I have all my writing stuff, my coaching information. Um, but there's a little pop-up and you could just put your email and you'll get information about this. Um and with it, you're going to get free access to these videos for a short amount of time. And then it's a very small fee. I think we landed at $47 for lifetime access to all of these videos. I think there's eight videos in all with 11 or 12 writers because some of them are in pairs. You also get worksheets and prompts from each of them. You know, some of them, not all of them, but like one, I have Rebecca Baruki is offering her book proposal <laughs> as a sample book proposal. I have Valerie Hager, who's a genius solo show artist, um, who's offering a worksheet from her solo show workshop that she teaches. 
So that all comes with this at just such a reasonable price. And, and the reason I did that is that, you know, I really want to make this available and easy for people to access this inspiration and this wisdom from these women writers who have done it and continue to do it. You know, many of them have children. Some of them don't, but many of them have children and partners and or they're single moms. And, you know, they're still following this passion, feeling pretty great about it as they should because they're all badasses. So anyway, so that's that. So sign up at jennifertracy.com. Also, the link is in my bio on my Instagram. If you don't know that, it's uh, Jennifer Tracy underscore is my handle. There's so many Jennifer Tracys. I just had to do Jennifer Tracy underscore. That's what was available. So anyway, enough about that. This month's give initiative is Glisten, G-L-S-E-N. And Glisten is an organization. If you go to glisten.org, G-L-S-E-N.org, you will learn about what they do for the LGBTQ plus youth community in schools, in communities, and really what they're working to do in chapters all over the country, which is so phenomenal. They have so many volunteers, but they also have um, really a lot of power behind what they're doing because there are a lot of people that are donating. Like, I mean, I'm not donating as much as some other people, even if you donate $5 every couple of months, you know, imagine if everyone on your block did that. Imagine if everyone on your block donated $1 per month and everyone on every other block in your city donated 50 cents or a dollar every other month. Wow, what a difference that would make, you know, to something that speaks to them. And so for this, this is really close to my heart because, uh, and I've shared this before, I lost, I have, I have lost many friends who were gay, closeted, transgender, bisexual, not able to identify it out of sheer fear, terror. Couldn't even really say and claim what they were. Um, and I've lost many of those dear, dear, beautiful beings to drugs and alcohol, um, either overdoses or, or suicides. Just senseless, you know, and it's really out of this ignorance, unfortunately. But wonderful organizations like Glisten are working to help mitigate that at the root, which is when we can talk to our kids and educate them about what this is, then they're not going to be afraid of it, you know, because hate is born out of fear and fear is born out of ignorance. So anyway, that's my tiny little soapbox. I just, it's really, really important to me. Um, I did mention that I've been a resident of West Hollywood for 20 years and I thought that I was going to move but I'm actually not. I'm going to stay here. I thought that we were going to move to be in a different school situation, but we're actually not. We're staying in the school we're in. And um, I'm so relieved on many levels because I love my city and I love my community here and I love my home. And also the thought of moving just, I'm not, that doesn't sound fun. Like the actual move, you know what I mean? So anyway, so I'm just, I'm a very proud resident of the city of West Hollywood and um, supporter of LGBTQ rights. So that's it. We don't have a sponsor this week. This week is a solo episode <laughs> of me, obviously of me. I don't, I don't know why. Well, maybe not obviously. This week is just me, just little me talking about something that is kind of a new development, but also kind of not in my life. So some of you may or may not know if you listen to the show that my son is dyslexic. 
Um, he also has central auditory processing disorder, which has gotten incre- much improved with treatment, with intervention, what they call intervention. Um, the dyslexia also much improved with intervention, and he goes to a special school, and he's just killing it. Uh, when he was first assessed in second grade by this amazing, beautiful, kind, kind, kind psychologist in the Valley, that psychologist said, you know, he's, he might have ADHD, but I can't really pin it just yet. And so it's been three years since that, and we just had him reassessed. Definitively, the psychologist said he definitely has ADHD. And so I want to talk about this in this episode because for so many reasons, and I have butterflies in my stomach right now because I have so much fear of the judgment and the comments that are going to come at me. But I also say bring it on because (laughs) I've definitely done my homework and I've definitely gone to the proper experts in this regard and a slew of other experts, um, energetically, hypnotherapy. I mean, I'll get into that in a minute, but I have to say this information came to me on the heels of us. We we were maybe going to move to a school district that had great public schools. So we were considering pulling him out of the specialized school and putting him in public school. But it became evident after this assessment that, oh no, he needs to stay where he is where the classrooms are small and he's getting the attention he needs. And I know like how privileged that is a position that is uh, because I went to the dyslexic um, convention here in Los Angeles at UCLA uh, in 2018. And I met scores of parents that don't have the resources to send their kid to a fancy private school for language difference learners. And they spend their lives in line at government agencies and writing letters and emails to advocate for their children. And, you know, it's, I'm just so lucky that he gets to be in a place where he gets this attention and I don't have to, I mean, I have to pay for it. um, And I'm so grateful that I can, but so anyway, so that's, that's another conversation, but I just wanted to acknowledge that, that I I totally get that. And I'm grateful for him. And I try not to drill it into him too much because I don't want to sound like you don't even know, you know, but, I think he knows. Sorry, I'm distracted because I had to let my dogs out. I'm sitting in my backyard recording this. Um, My backyard, which some of you, depending on where you live, would laugh if you saw it because it's so tiny. But if you're in L.A., you'd be like, oh, you have a backyard. Like, you have an actual backyard. But it's so tiny. But I don't care. I love it. When this happened, uh, we were, I had hired an organizer, a Marie Kondo certified organizer, this amazing woman, um, whose, whose website I will put in the show notes. Her name is Charlotte. She's incredible. And she came to the house and was helping us organize. I had just gotten this diagnosis that Friday. And she came all day Saturday and all day Sunday. And she was helping me and my son, Blooms, organize all of his toys. Because my son is also a hoarder. And he has been ever since he was could hold something in his hand. When we go on play dates, he didn't want to share with the other kids. Like, And that changed. You know, Now he's very much into sharing um, everything, his food, his candy, his toys, his space. Um, And he's an only child like me. So he just constantly wants to be social. But having this new information of the ADHD diagnosis, everything, everything just came into focus for me. It just started making me realize that that was part of the reason why his his toddler years were so difficult. And I just remember other parents with toddlers his age, you know, my peers, 
would say, oh, yeah, it's just hard. It's just hard. And I would think, but really, it doesn't seem like it's, your kid isn't as aggravated as mine, you know? And I'm also a recovering alcoholic and I suffer from depression and anxiety. So I thought, well, maybe he's got a little bit of that juice in there, which he probably does too. But the ADHD just gave this focus to it that helped for me as the parent alleviate a lot of this sort of guilt that I had been feeling of like, I'm doing it wrong and that's why he's not this blissed out kid, which is silly for any parent, just so you know, like, you know, our kids are going to have all the range of human emotions. And I think the important thing is to let them. So what I learned in this process to get back to um, us cleaning out the house, and I was cleaning out all my stuff too. And the reason I had set it up was I thought, oh, we're going to be moving to Calabasas. I should clean out all the junk we don't need. I've lived here for 20 years. I got married in this house. I had my kid in this house. I was single in this house before that. I have so much crap. So we were cleaning it out with me knowing we're not moving and yet still like so great to clean it out because there was so much stuff that I got rid of. I got rid of like five carloads full of just junk, just stuff I didn't need, stuff he didn't need. And he had a lot of emotion behind letting go of toys. And, and when Charlotte came, she was very clear. She said, now this is not about forcing you to get rid of things. This is about organizing your things so that you can see what you have. And if you feel that you want to let go of something and let another child enjoy it, then that's okay. We have a space for that. You know, we have a, we have a, a give bin. But it was really hard for him. It was really emotional. And she said, when we can't let go of something, it's that we're afraid of the future. Like, that. oh, I'm going to need that in the future. And or we can't let go of the past. Oh, my God, did that resonate with me on just every level of my being, you know, emotions, resentments, fears, um, fantasies. Like it made me think of all of that stuff that I hold on to, including, oh, we're going to move to Calabasas and we're, he's going to go to public school and we're going to, you know, have a big yard or whatever the fantasy was of that. And then to have it evaporate just made me realize I didn't realize that I was holding on to that fantasy and sometimes that's okay. I think it's good to think of the future and, and plan and so forth. But for the most part, like, we don't know what the fuck's going to happen. One of the other things that came out of this uh, assessment was that the psychologist said, you know, I do think in addition to the intervention that he's getting from the school, the school, again, is specialized. And so they've done such an incredible job. I mean, my kid who could not read in second grade, like he wasn't reading. Now, he was in a progressive school where they weren't teaching phonics. So that's a huge piece of it. Like, and I just want to say that to those of you out there that are having kids that are that age, you know, six, seven, eight, and they're having, they're struggling reading and the school's coming to you and saying, yeah, I don't know why they're not reading you really have to drill down and say, well, what exactly are you teaching them and how are you teaching it to them? Are you showing them how to read? Because most kids statistically, and I learned this from going to that convention, even if they're not dyslexic, they don't learn to read just organically. They have to be shown how to break down words. And a lot of these progressive schools, God bless them, and I love our old school so deeply and I miss it so much in the community, but it's just not a right fit for every child. And Honestly, it's not a right fit for most kids. And so I think these schools are starting to pick up on that. 
as more and more of the kids are getting diagnosed earlier on with some level of dyslexia, which, by the way, I also learned there's a large spectrum of dyslexia, you know, so it's not like, oh, you're dyslexic, you see letters backwards. That's not, that's actually not it at all. It's not that simple. But with this, I've lost my train of thought, which is really rough when it's just me because I can't ask the other person, what were we talking about? <laughs> I have to ask myself. And I'm not a reliable source. Um, so I know you guys are all like, you were talking about blah, blah, blah. You're trying to remind me because it feels like we're in the same room, which I kind of wish we were. Got to do another live. I'm going to do another live, I promise. Anyway, I'll, I'll get back to whatever it was or I won't. But what I was going to go for was, oh, the medication. I don't know if that's what it was, but that's what I'm going to go to next is that he mentioned medication. And, you know, I'm on medication for depression. I take 20 milligrams of Prozac per day. I have ever since I was diagnosed with postpartum wanted to harm myself. And I wasn't, I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to, I can't really remember. I almost need to ask Sabrina because I remember I was with her when my psychiatrist was calling me, just making sure I was okay, but didn't want to live. And I had, I, I, it had just gotten to the point, and I've written about this and shared about this, where I was cutting my arms. I was pulling my hair out at its roots. Not all the time, but that happened in one fit of just white rage. Um, and again, you know, I don't drink, so I, I, there was no, um, there were no drugs and alcohol involved. It was just, I was just in my postpartum depression. But, um, anyway, and I share openly about that because I, there's still this stigma about medication. I'm like, why, you know, is medication sometimes overprescribed? Absolutely. Is it prescribed, uh, inefficiently and irresponsibly sometimes, 100%, you know, but I do think that medicine in general can save lives. You know, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've also seen the absence of it with someone who was very sick and needed it, who she killed herself because she went off her meds. It happened on a slow, slow, gradual um, time frame. It took about a year, but she dove back into her mental illness and it took her down. It took her down. And even though she tried to go back on her meds, it just, it couldn't quite work. Um, so I really just, I'm on a mission personally to destigmatize that. And that's why I share about my own personal experience. And that's why I'm actually sharing about um, my experience of my son's journey. I can't share his experience, obviously, because I'm not inside his head. But um, so got this information from the psychologist in the report back. So I go there and he sat with me and went over all the reports, went over the assessments and how well my son is doing academically. And he said, but you know, he's got this, essentially how the ADHD is presenting itself is that he said, your son has the mind of a Ferrari and like little geoprism wheels on it. So it's incredibly frustrating that his intellect is way up here, way above average, but his working memory and his processing speed are so slow that it just slows everything down for him and he can't move at a pace that is even, you know, anything like his peers, you know, or some of the peers. Now they're all, they're all in the school because they all have similar issues, but so that's frustrating and it makes him tired and it makes him not want to go to school. And he said, you know, I do feel that we could try a medication that could help him, you know, 
feel stronger and faster in his processing and it could catch him up to his brain power um, and just to try it. And so I said, well, I'm open to that. And I talked with my ex-husband about it. And my ex-husband said, that makes me nervous, but I'm open to that. Obviously, I want him to live his best life. And so, you know, we started talking about it and researching it more. And what I found, and this is actually what prompted me to record an episode about this, was I shared this information with some of my closest friends. And, you know, Sabrina was like, you know, whatever he needs, awesome. Some of my other friends were, some were also very supportive um, and just like, whatever, you know, I know you're doing a great job, whatever. But some people, and again, this is not, this is not an attack on my friends at all. I have the greatest friends in the world. Instantly their fear of medication popped up. Oh, medication. Oh, have you tried everything else? You know, have you tried, have you really tried it? Or have, um, you know, have you thought about this or that or, you know, and it wasn't a barrage because, again, I was very selective about kind of who I told. But very interesting, the fear that came up, you know. And again, as I said at the beginning of this, of this show, I think fear in, in most of us is born out of ignorance. So unless someone has a direct experience with it themselves or with their child, they're speaking from that, ooh, medicating a child, you know, that's scary and that's bad and that's wrong and big pharmaca and all of this stuff. And there is, of course, some truth to that. There are children out there that have been medicated that may or may not have needed it. But how I took this information in, I was so proud of myself because at first it spun me out a little bit, of course, but then I realized that's their stuff that has nothing to do with me. I have tried everything. I have been so diligent with my child. At the time that this was starting to percolate when he was in second grade and we knew something was off, I had him fully tested with a biofeedback machine for any kind of food allergies, environmental allergies. I took him to an allergist and had him fully tested for all the allergens where they do those pinprick things on your back and it's just awful and you have to wait. I had that done. I took him to an audiologist and had him tested and then retested and then retested. And then we did the homework. I took him to a vision therapist. He had vision therapy, got glasses. Um, we had a tutor right away who she's actually who taught him how to read in second and third grade. Uh, I know I'm forgetting. Some, oh, talk therapy. We got him a therapist. Um, I had an energy worker do stuff on him. I took him to an osteopath. I tried changing his diet. I, which is very difficult when you have a picky eater. I recently took him to a hypnotherapist, which by the way, had pretty amazing results. Um, don't you dare bark. My little dog is gurring. Don't bark. It's too loud and obnoxious. I know you want your own podcast, but it's, we're not quite there yet. So when I looked at that and I thought, and I had him assessed in second grade, and now I'm having, re having him fully reassessed the same you know, it's 14 hours of him doing tests in this man's office uh, to get all of this data and to come to this now after three years and after having the intervention. Oh, and send, not to mention sending him to the special A school. And I'm not saying any of this to pat myself on the back, maybe a little, but uh, I'm saying this to share that we need to remind ourselves and I want you to remind yourself out there that you have done a lot. 
You know, you have done a lot. You have probably stayed up late at night researching it on the internet. You probably have ordered the books on Amazon. You probably have called all the moms you knew who had any experience with this. You probably have, you know, talked about it with your therapist ad nauseum. You know, and at the end of the day, oh my God, there's only so much you can do. And that's not to say that it was like, oh, great, put them on meds and it's done. I mean, that meeting was a month ago. I just had another meeting with a psychologist and with my son so that we could explain everything to him, brought it up to him. And he said, okay, I'm open to that. And I said, well, it's going to be a process. You know, we're going to go get a, what's called a med eval, a medical evaluation. And you see a psychiatrist and that psychiatrist interviews your child, uh, uh, evaluates your child. They talk to both parents. It's a whole process. It's a whole process. It's not just, you know, go pop a pill and see what happens. Just today, my dad called and left a message. My father never calls me unless it's about some financial decision I've made that he is worried about. Like when was, what was the last one? Oh my gosh, I can't remember what it was. Oh, I got I got new air conditioning in my house. And he called and I answered panicked because I thought, oh my God, something's happened to mom because my dad never calls me. And he said, what kind of air conditioning did you get? I said, dad, it's already been installed. It's done. Oh, okay. And he hung up the phone and it's just his way. It's not, he doesn't, it's just, he's just, it's just his way. And so when he called me today and left a message, I was recording this writer symposium interview. He said, I'm very worried about the medication. I'm really scared. Is it going to make him slow? Is it going to make him drool? Is it going to, and these were the words that he was saying. I'm thinking, wow, it's just, I get it. It's your precious grandson and you're scared. So I wrote an email and just said, it's not official. It's not like 100% we're doing this. We're taking many steps. It's it's a many layered, many stepped process. But yes, if it is what is indicated and what will help him ultimately, because really, and what the doctor said was that it's a brain development thing. It's that working memory and that um, processor just need a little boost to kind of catch up to the rest of the brain. Um, And again, like we know so little about the brain really, which I think harkens back to people's fears about, oh, what does that do? What does that do? And I know that there's enough evidence for me in my life of the medication that I'm on keeping me, keeping the ground from falling out beneath me to where I still fully feel my feelings. It's not like I don't get sad or angry or mad or happy or joyful or, you know, exuberant. I have all of those feelings. What it does is it stops me from going to a dark place where I ruminate on uh, suicidal ideology, which is, you know, thinking about suicide. And that has happened to me off and on since I was a teenager. I didn't know what it was, you know, until I was in my twenties and I got properly diagnosed. But um, so, and again, I'm not like pro-medication. That's not what this is. I'm sharing this from my experience, from my viewpoint, from watching my child go through this, from watching him over the last year, two years really, have extreme panic attacks about going to school, have emotions that he cannot control at nine and 10 years old, Um, which some of that is totally fine and normal, but it's really more about not whether it's normal or not, but, you know, how can I, 
how can we as a team, you know, me, his dad, his doctors, help him to really succeed? You know, and that doesn't mean like testing out of the, I don't care about his grades, really. I don't care about his scores. I want him to feel confident and I want him to enjoy his life. That is the goal. I want him to be able to enjoy his schoolwork and feel successful. And so anyway, so that is why I wanted to share this with you guys. Um, There's so much more I could talk about, but um, I think I'm going to leave it at that. And I, there's so many resources out there and um, I'm going to have Kevin, my wonderful show notes writer, include some resources for you guys in the show notes that have been really helpful to me to learn about ADHD and some books that I've read that have been really helpful to me. Um, you know, but I think the most important thing is to talk to other parents who've been through it. You know, really, it's just that shared experience of, yes, we got the diagnosis. Yes, it was like, it didn't throw me off kilter the, now because I had all this time to assimilate all these other things that were going on with him. So if anything, for me at this stage, it was a relief. It was like, oh, yes, okay, that makes so much sense. Um, and even to him, when I explained it to my son, when I used the Ferrari analogy, he said, oh, that makes so much sense. He said, because I know I'm the smartest one. <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, he is really smart. He is really smart. And all his friends are really smart, too. But I think he just... It's frustrating when you know that you're smart, you know you understand something, but you can't execute it and you wonder why. And and the doctor also described it. It's like you have all this good juice and this teeny weeny little funnel to filter it through that makes it go so slow, like a like a sand, um, one of those, um, oh God, I can't think of the word. This is the problem about doing a solo podcast because I don't have someone to say, what's that word? You know what I'm thinking about? The timer thing with the sand, an hourglass. An hourglass? Yeah, hourglass. Um, because it is episode 70, I had Derek do a little montage of the questions from the past guests because we're retiring those questions. Now, having said that, there were some that I just couldn't let go of. <laughs> so I kept some of them in what you will now hear for the next you know, the following episodes after episode 70. But I changed um, the first three questions and I changed a bunch of the other ones. Yeah. So I hope you enjoy this montage. Come back next week for a fresh episode of MILF. I have a beautiful, beautiful guest on the show. Um, Her story is incredible. She's incredible. She's a warrior. Just thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for being a part of this community. I really appreciate you guys so much. What do you think about when you hear the word MILF? Well, mother, I love to fuck, right? Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I think about all of the women that I see who I can tell by the way they are embodying themselves that they don't know that they are. Jennifer Tracy. I will join the long line of women who say Jennifer Tracy. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? I change my mind a lot. I'm fearless about changing my mind, whether it's like, you're gonna, you were going to go out to dinner with someone and you just, you know, at the last moment, I don't know, last moment, I'm not into standing people up, but I'm okay about, it's okay to change your mind. Having a child. Not every woman has to have a kid and it 
your whole either way. And uh, I did not think I was going to, and I changed my mind and, you know, was, I don't, I'm not suggesting that it's that simple. I know people that are dealing with major fertility things, but um, yeah, I changed my mind. Flavored almonds. (laughs) How do you define success? Success is peace of mind. And for me, peace of mind, it has to do with this idea of leaving it all in the field. At the end of the day, when I put down my head in the pillow, I said, I told the truth today. I also really define success, not just telling the truth, but did I do love today? Success to me is actually being able to show up for the process willingly and openly. And then you don't know what's going to happen. None of us knows what's going to happen. That's one thing I am totally sure of. (laughs) We don't know what's going to happen. I love that. I love that. Okay, lightning round of questions. Movies or Broadway show? Mm, Broadway show. Movies. Yeah, unless it's Hamilton movie. Movies. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Nighttime? Unless I'm really full. <laughs> it doesn't really matter to me what day, what time of day it is. I, daytime is kind of fun, I guess. Yeah. And then you get dressed and you, get, you move on. Yeah. <laughs> day. Nighttime. Have you ever worn a unitard? Uh... I don't think so. I, my body's not really built for unitards. Yes, but I don't know why. Last night. Yes. Not to bed. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I love my unitard. I love my tards. <laughs> <laughs> my unitards and my leotards. I love my tards. <laughs> they're, my, they're my thunder suits. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at ping pong? Five. <laughs> Is the scale going to the negative numbers? <laughs> negative five? Oh, gosh. No. No. I have the worst hand-eye coordination. With my kids, I'm like a 10. With, <laughs> with my husband, I'm probably like a four. <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? Was your birth natural? <laughs> oh, my God. Passive-aggressive behavior. People who are not themselves. People who don't say thank you. Would you rather have a penis where your tailbone is or a third eye? <laughs> a dick. I mean, I think a penis. I don't know. It's just like I could at least hide that. I could wear a long coat and, you know, stuff it in my pants. Third eye. Wow. She's A belly button that looks like foreskin. Well... This I'm kind of cheating here, but I would say the belly button it looks like foreskin because I then I know I could have that surgically removed. <laughs> well, I don't want a penis, <laughs> and the fact that it would be on my tailbone, I'd be sitting on it all the time. So nah, <laughs> nah, nah, no. I'll I'll get with the penis in a different way. Okay. Right? <laughs> penis and I will find each other in a different way. I want the third eye. Third eye. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Woo-hoo. Thank you. This was so fun. Bye. I love you so much. Thanks, Jen. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>